even within the country, there's large, massive differences between the dialects. Sometimes from village to village, sometimes from, well, for sure, from valley to valley and from region to region. It creates this funny rivalry in which you hear where somebody's from and you make fun of their accent. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Culture Atlas. I'm your host, Cece Wong. Each week, we'll visit a country and talk to a person from there to find out what life is like in their part of the world. This is part two of our four-part series on Switzerland. So last week, we learned about my guest Roman's childhood growing up in a small village in northern Switzerland. This week, our conversation turns to the culture of Switzerland, a small country with yet close to 100 dialects and three main regional cultures being French, German, and Italian. We'll get to know the different regions of Switzerland and what makes each unique. And we'll also uncover the secret to superior Swiss engineering and take a look at the country's unique apprenticeship program in which every Swiss person is put to work at the young age of 16. All that's coming up now. I kind of want to get into the different regional cultures of Switzerland um, now. I know that there are 26 cantons or provinces. And there's four official languages, German, French, Italian, and Romanche. So mm -hmm. Switzerland is bordered by Germany, Austria to the east, mm -hmm. and then Italy to the south, France to the west. But they have like four official languages, German, French, Italian, and Romanche. What is Romanche? Romanche is a hybrid of oh, German, Italian, and Latin. And I think less than 30,000 people still speak it in the eastern part of Switzerland. Oh. It's just one or two valleys in which they speak it. Okay. But they had their, I remember they had their own uh, TV station, a TV channel in Romanche <laughs> to make sure it everybody gets the same, you know, uh, wow. rights and the same access to news. So the news were, they had TV and radio stations in Romanche, as well as obviously German, French and Italian. Okay, so on the eastern side, those two provinces, they, they speak purely Romanche, because that, that's their official language. It's not just one canton. It's only two valleys, if I'm not mistaken, in one province. So they speak Romanche and German in that province. That's really interesting. How many languages do you speak? German, English, and I'll try to get back into French. Ah, so French, <laughs> French is, is useful in Canada. <laughs> yeah, it's like in Canada, we have to learn French in mm -hmm. school, or we had to learn it, but then I didn't use it enough to, <laughs> yeah, to be really fluent in it. Mm -hmm. In your school, did the teachers teach all four languages, or just depending on the region you're you're, you're living in? Yes. So uh, when I went to school, it was mandatory that you have to learn one other official language. We were able to choose between Italian and French, but it was mandatory to, to take one or to choose one. And the same for, let's say, the French-speaking region. I have to choose German, Italian, or Romanche if it's offered. But the biggest languages, or like the languages most commonly used, are German and French, right, in Switzerland? Yes. Most people, I think it's 60%, 70% German, 20% French, 10% Italian, yeah. Why did Romanche, because you said there's some Latin mixed in there too. Where did this language, how did it survive to this age? I'm not too familiar with, with the history. Mm -hmm. Part of it is for sure that 
I mean, they they have a hard time. Less and less people speak it, but for sure the the, the federal government tries to do the best to to make sure they got access to their own, as I said, TV stations, news. So I know that in Switzerland, the German is a little bit different from yeah. what you guys call standard Germans, which is German German, I guess. <laughs> so yes. so what's the difference? So standard German is a written, the official high German language. That all the official documents, the newspapers, the news, everything is in High German, but the spoken language is Swiss German. Well, Swiss German oh. is only a dialect. Well, there's many dialects of Swiss German. That's like another thing. But there's no written rules for it. So if you have official like a business correspondence, if you read the news, it's all in High German. When when you say High German is the German spoken in Germany? Yeah. The- <laughs> The, pro- <laughs> the proper German, as they call okay. it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, got you. Okay, so everybody can read German, no matter what dialect of German they speak in Switzerland. But the spoken language sounds different. Yes, that's right. So it's very different. So German people have a little bit, have difficulties understanding Swiss people. Mm. Even within the country, there's large or massive differences between the dialects. Mm. So even from... Sometimes from village to village, sometimes from, well, for sure, from valley to valley and from region to region. It's very different. It depends it on different. where you are. Yeah, and it's it's kind of not a competition, but it's it, it creates this funny rivalry in which you hear where somebody's from and you make fun of their accent. It's like <laughs> South Canadians like to make fun of the Newfoundland accent. So oh, yeah, like, yeah. It's just more extreme in Switzerland. Than, uh, it's like a, a healthy... Rivalry that you <laughs> call each other out on their dialect. Yeah. Okay, so what's the fanciest Swiss German? The fanciest, uh, the most difficult one, maybe Wallisterdeutsch. Uh, so from the, that'd be from the southwest of, of Switzerland. They speak a very unique Swiss German. Like, mm. you can't. Nobody understands. <laughs> Uh, you, if you can't maybe make sense of it, but if you get a really a, a local, local, uh, he or she speaks very fast, no chance. No, it's, oh, uh, I yeah. see. Mm-hmm. It's tough. Wow, that that's so interesting. How like there's so many dialects. How many dialects are there? If you were to just uh, venture a guess, a hundred. A hundred in Switzerland. Wow. The twenty-six cantons. So every, every they speak five different languages. Yeah, makes maybe. And how similar is Swiss culture to German culture? More similar than we we want to admit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least in certain respect. Uh, yeah, it's like punctuality, efficiency. That's for sure something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about the food and or even music traditions? Yeah, food for sure. We have some similarities, like mm-hmm. similar to bread, Swiss bread, German bread. What are the differences then? I think culture-wise, that Swiss people think that Germans are rude because they're very direct and outspoken. And uh, Swiss people, we don't like it. if somebody is just in our face. We're like, oh, hey, hey, hold your horses. This is not nice. But the Germans are just, what's the point, right? Just being be efficient. And just, they're just why are you insulted by it. So they're even more efficient than Swiss, the Germans, <laughs> you would say. <laughs> yeah, you could argue that, yeah. Yeah, that's probably fair, yeah. Mm-hmm. I find that Swiss people are definitely more polite than Germans. 
Yeah, that can create some uh, interesting conversations, like in which nobody means any any harm, but like Swiss people, are, oh, why is he saying that? So rude! But the German, like, just tell you how it is. Don't take offense. <laughs> <laughs> Do, I'm actually curious because you know um, Switzerland is right beside Germany, so you probably do see a lot Germans, right? So, mm-hmm. um, is Germany the only country in Europe that's this direct in terms of their communication style? Hmm, that's a good question. I would say the French or Italians are pretty straightforward too. But they're not as direct, though. I feel like there's a difference, a slight mm-hmm. difference, like straightforward you know, versus really direct, like they won't miss any words. They'll tell you exactly what they think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we can agree on that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the big cities in Switzerland are Zurich, Geneva, mm-hmm. Basel, Lausanne, Bern. Yep. Um, are, are, they, are they all very different from each other in terms of, you know, the, the vibe and um, the focus? No, they're very different. Uh, Geneva is like, the Toronto of uh, Zurich, of, oh, of Switzerland. Is. Yeah, it's okay. the economic hub. It's the center of the most of the banks are there. It's the yeah the economic powerhouse. And what is Zurich? No, Zurich. That's Zurich. Oh, you mean you mean Zurich? Okay, Zurich, not Geneva. Yeah. Okay. No, G- Zurich is yeah. As I said, it's the Toronto. But if you go outside of Zurich and you ask people what they think about Zurich, they're like, oh, these people are too arrogant. They just think too high of themselves. Uh Geneva is more international. It has a lot of international institutions, like UN, um, bodies of the UN, there's all their international organizations, very diverse uh, workforce, a lot of people, expats from France working there, lots of diplomats. So it's more open, more multicultural. Mm -hmm. And Basel? Basel is... Good. How do I define Basel? Uh, I'm not sure. It's uh, it's right on the German border. They have a lot of, uh, well, I wouldn't say German influence, but people working there from German Germany. It's home of the pharmaceutical industry. Well, Novart- ah, Novartis. Novartis. It's huge. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's what they're famous for. Mm-hmm. Lucerne has still a little bit of the charm of a tourist town. Yes, Mad- I've been there. It's very yeah. lovely. You know, in the middle of the at the lake, in the middle of the mountains, and Bern is the capital. It goes a little bit on a slower pace. That's uh, their the stereotype of people from Bern that are a bit slow. Like they take it more easy at them. Yeah, because that's where the government is, right? It is. Yeah. <laughs> Why are they so slow? <laughs> it's you know, it's playing with the stereotypes that the ah, the. In, I see. the you know, you have federalism in Switzerland, but it also leads to this rivalry between the different regions and provinces. So wow, it's so probably much not as going on. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not as bad as it, as it sounds, but of course. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting to get like a Swiss take on their own <laughs> countries, different parts. And what about like the Italian side? So we covered the German side, the French side. So French side is Geneva and Lausanne. German is Bern, yep. Lucerne, and Zurich. And the Italian side, I see there is a, I don't know if it's a canton or a mm-hmm. town called Ticino. Ticino is a, a canton or here we call the province. Okay, uh, yeah. Is it, is, it, is it very much like Italy, like in those regions of Switzerland? Yeah, it is, yeah. Food. Wow. Food is like in northern Italy. Uh, also the climate is much warmer. 
than the rest of Switzerland. It must be like a vacation spot for like local Swiss. Yep, that's true. Not just Swiss, <laughs> but a lot of people from other parts of the world, of uh, the neighboring countries too. Like a lot of Germans go to to Geneva, to Ticino for for long weekends. Wow. Yeah, and it's it's separated by a mountain, like a chain of mountains, mm-hmm. and there's only one tunnel for the highway that connects the rest of Switzerland and Ticino. Okay. So, which always leads to a big congestion. Congestion because it's a bottleneck. Oh dear. So it's the Swiss like, must hate that. <laughs> yeah, most most people hate it. Yeah, they're like, oh, why would you go there so over a long weekend? Yeah, st- stuck in traffic. It's very inefficient. But if you, I guess, if you drive from I don't know from Germany and it's a ten-hour drive to Ticino and you stay one more hour in traffic, doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, but how is Switzerland this influenced by like the neighboring countries? Because like each region, like for example, like you know the west side is you said it's very similar to. France, right? Yeah, it has a. It's a little bit like Quebec here. It's. It has a different culture. Yeah, it's very. It's different. Is it because a lot of Italians perhaps live on the Italian regions of Switzerland, or like how how does the influence carry over the border? Well, I think it was they were always there. It's the simple answer because the this part of uh, used to be part of Italy, but then it was incorporated or conquered in the 16th century, mm-hmm. and so they. They kept their culture, and the same for the West, the people in the West. So it's over time the country grew, but people kept their culture in the different regions. So were the Italians and French people? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Or for the, the yes, the West is a bit more complicated, but for the Italians, yeah. I see. Okay. So what is Swiss Swiss then? <laughs> <laughs> this is probably what people think about. I don't know, they're Swiss Germans, because they're the majority. Ah, oh, I see. Yeah, because I, I feel like for a lot of people who, who don't, who didn't really read into um, the different regions of Switzerland, they, they wouldn't even know that there's all these different parts, right? With different languages spoken and, um, you know, the mm-hmm. Italian side, the French side. Most people probably just think of Switzerland as like more of the German Swiss. Yeah, the majority. Yeah, I think that that's right. Yeah, because it's, it's the majority of the population. So another unique thing about Switzerland that is world-renowned is their engineering. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So Swiss products are one of the most respected in the world and are known for their exceptional quality. How did it become this way? I think it's because of uh, Switzerland has very few natural resources. Mm -hmm. So the kind of depend the economy for a long time depended on importing natural resources from somewhere else or like raw materials and co- mm-hmm. converting them into uh, high quality, high value added goods and sell them internationally. Mm, I see. That was that. Then there is, I would say that's the main reason, but, uh, you know, the energy, it kind of spills over into other areas. You'd have, you need a reliable transportation system. So you had to build the railroads, but since you built them, you can use them for tourism as well. So it's kind of another part of the economy that you can use. Yeah, this is probably the main reason. I was about to talk about the watches, but that's more like an effect than other cause. <laughs> the famous Swiss mm. watches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but how did it how did it eventually evolve to a point where it's so good? It's a cultural thing. It's something that now you ask me to to think why it was, but I never questioned it because 
I remember as a kid that later on everybody or most people tell me, well, we don't have anything except anything that we can just take out on the ground. There's no oil here. There's no gold, no mining in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. All we have is our brains. Mm-hmm. And all we have is our skills. So if you put them to work as good as we can, we can actually do the best or that's the best thing we have or that's all we have to offer. And we're Switzerland is located at the heart of Europe. So we have the advantage that uh, people will pass by here. We can sell mm-hmm. to big economies in Germany, in France. It's not very far. So we do you know, to supply those economies with, with the goods we, we, we have to offer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think those two factors, geography and just the realization that there's nothing else but that you can put to work. You have to just put your mind to work, I guess. It's, it's what you what you have to offer, yeah. That's That's actually really amazing because if you look at a lot of the big pharmaceutical companies, um, mm-hmm. Even like, um, you know, train manufacturer, I think in your country, Stadler Rail, like a lot of these precision instruments and, you know, even going to luxury products like watches. Yeah, they're they're world renowned, you know, they have clients all over the world. And it's just like Switzerland really built a reputation for itself in terms of being able to deliver these um, really complicated, advanced quality goods. So... Yeah, it's very impressive. And I also read that the country has a very strong focus on research and development. And I think they like it's one of the countries that has one of the highest spendings on R&D in relation to their GDP. And Switzerland also currently holds leading positions in a number of international rankings in research and innovation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, like the Swiss academic publications are also highly regarded among the international scientific community community so all the things that you were saying about like you guys really had to use your brain to 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 make things as good as they can yeah that's that's certainly true at this one example would be well yes rosh novartis is the uh, big pharmaceutical companies that well they compete on the world market right with the big players Uh, stadler rail yes well the swiss watches uh, Mm -hmm. yeah so definitely, yes, that's, I can only agree with that. Yeah. And also, I read that 98% of all train lines um, in Switzerland are electrified. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's there's no, I've never that's seen That's not it. common, in, like everywhere else, not even in the US. <laughs> yeah, it just shows how the government really emphasizes green technology and also, I guess, climate change prevention too. So really, really ahead of the curve. <laughs> well, it's still, still a long way to go, but yeah, most of the power is produced by... Uh, either nuclear energy or uh, hydro i think hydro is the other big one yeah which is Mm. again produced through the building dams in the in the mountains region in the village in the valleys and then you you know build these massive dams with the where you have the water yeah i've never seen those dams while i was there but there's a lot of them I'm wondering, so does that mean there are lots of um, people choosing to go into the sciences and engineering um, for their area of study in Switzerland? I guess in the long run, yeah, under their career. Uh, I'm not sure if they consciously decide to go there at the beginning, but uh, uh, there is yeah, a strong emphasis on the so-called apprenticeship system. Okay, what is that? So six, it's a combination of school and work mm-hmm. so after high school 
you decide on a job or <laughs> you make a first decision in your career. I mean, it's you're only 16 when you leave high school in Switzerland and then you, you go into an apprenticeship. That means you one to two days per week you're in school and you learn the academic side of work and the rest you work in a company. Mm. So, for example, I served apprenticeship as an electrician originally. So mm-hmm. one day I had school and I learned about how to calculate, to calculate electric flows and how to be safe on the construction side and about all the things. And the other four days I worked under the guidance of an experienced uh, electrician or a supervisor in, in an electrical uh, company. Wow. And you mm-hmm. can do that for the majority of jobs, whether you want to become a mechanic or a nurse or later on you're going to go into engineering. This is it's a solid foundation for your career. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. And they start you guys down this road like at age 16. You get 16, real life yeah. exposure to the field that you want to go into. Later on, you can you know develop your career. But yes, it's, it's a solid uh, experience on the foundation because you know you're the age of 19 to 20 you already have three to four years of experience you can yeah. be hired by a company and you already full fully contributing you know to to the workforce so it's, it you have a large pool of uh young people who can go into the workforce right away wow so do people even bother with the university yeah if you want to let's say you become a teacher teacher go to university engineer no engineer not necessarily doctors yes lawyers but not necessarily no you can do like something like a college or a technical university in which you maybe let's say in my case i could have done the, become an electrical engineer by you know studying two days a week and going to and work three days at the at the company Mm-hmm. So if you, you can still go down the road or... It's a split like half and half. Half of the um, students who graduate from high school just choose to go to the workforce right after. And the other half go on to um, study at a university or a college. Well, let's say it's two thirds go apprenticeship and one third co- uh, college and later university. I see. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And what are some of the, uh, like, I, I guess, popular professions? I believe it's IT. Mm-hmm. Um, admin. They have a broad term called admin. It's a kind of an apprenticeship in admin, mm-hmm. which lies the foundation for all kind of admin work. Whether you're gonna go into HR, accounting, marketing, um, you name it. I think mechanic, mechanics still popular. It is at the top. Yeah. And so when you go and participate in the apprenticeship program, like somebody who's been working at that job for a long time, they train you directly like an apprentice yes that's right yeah you have depending a bit on the size of the company I, I my apprenticeship was in a big company so we had 50 apprentice apprentice mm-hmm. or fit yeah which is a lot some companies have only only one or two or three you work with somebody they'll take you under their wings and you know they'll show you practical training yeah yes and it's not uh, I, th- I thought about it a lot i think well now i work in finance and accounting and finance but it still it teaches you important lessons, not just about for me when I was an electrician, but you know, at the age of 16, you work from the morning to the evening, you have to interact with customers, with con client, con construction side, you have to like, suddenly you're at the workforce, you have to f- 
you know find your way into the, in the hierarchy and so at work. Yeah. so it's it's a good it's tough i remember as a, I was a 16 year old kid you work from seven in the morning to five in the evening five four days I'm like, this is hard <laughs> but it was a good it was a really important that uh, yeah. foundation for a career even if now i'm in another field now so i wouldn't miss it I think you you learn earlier how to navigate the workforce compared to most people here in Canada. Yeah. Yes. I I hundred percent agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, so so those positions are paid for the apprenticeship program, and the school matches you to your uh, company. No, you go to the you send an up your resume and cover letter, and you apply for an open apprenticeship at the company. Oh. Okay. So you have to apply yourself. What if you don't end up getting any? I'm not sure if that's possible. <laughs> so there was nobody in our camp who did not fight something in our class. So you could do like one more. Uh, here, I think they call it adult school. If you do one more year of high school. Yeah. You could do something like this. Well, actually, there was one or two kids that they went for half a year. For example, they go to the German, to, to the English speaking, to an English speaking country to learn the language. And for half a year, and then another half a year to go to a French-speaking country, and then they will come back the next summer and apply again. Mm, okay, so and then they get this, something this time. Yeah, okay. they could do a gap year. Okay. But most of us got something. If you go to job interview <laughs> at the age of 16, but, uh, yeah. that's crazy. <laughs> I even had to write my cover letter by hand. They said, you send it by hand, no computers. Wow. <laughs> it's different wow. now, pretty sure, but uh, it was an experience, yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't get my official first job until I graduated from university. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. yeah, but I had a lot of like summer, I guess, oh, co-ops. Yes. Summer jobs and co-ops, that's what they Yeah, did. summer jobs, yeah. summer jobs, but not like for the full term or full mm-hmm. year like that. And you said the apprenticeship program is for, did you say a, a year or a few years? Four three, years? Three to four years. Okay. And then people usually end up getting hired by the company, I guess. Most of them, yeah. If not, you can find another job. Mm-hmm. Especially if you do self-apprenticeship in a manual job, like carpenter, electricians, mm-hmm. mechanic, hairdresser. Mm-hmm. You apply for another job and you'll be hired. Ninety-five percent of the cases. Yeah, it's such you have a experience. High yeah, it's such a high demand. The admin side is a bit more tricky. A lot of people do it. So there a lot of competition. Hi again, it's Cece here. I hope you've enjoyed part two of my four-part interview series with my guest Roman Fisher on Switzerland. Next week, we'll demystify the country's social etiquettes and a matter of the utmost importance in Switzerland, punctuality. Like day-to-day encounters, it, everything is on time. The school starts at 7.30. If you come in 7.31, you'll be punished. Teachers say, why are you late? Right? You cannot be late. Or you go to somebody's house, you have to be there on time. We'll also explore fascinating regional traditions and the craze behind a beloved national sport called Schwingen, a special form of Swiss wrestling. All that's on next week's show. Be sure to tune in and subscribe to Culture Atlas if you enjoyed this podcast. Give it a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts to help more people discover the show. We also have a website with destination summaries and resources to interesting cultural facts and travel recommendations mentioned in each episode. You can find everything on my website at cultureatlas.world. World as in W-O-R-L-D. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week.